Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. And as we continue our conversation uh, around the tragedies, uh, both in Georgia and in Colorado over the last several days, uh, we're just trying to get the right perspective in terms of how do we have these conversations? What are the things that matter most in all of that? And I uh, wanted to bring in uh, our good friend uh, and colleague, Jay Evenson, award-winning uh, writer for Deseret News, Deseret.com. And uh, Jay, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. So Jay's got a, a you've got a really interesting uh, piece that uh, actually goes back uh, to your kind of cub reporting days. Uh, you started out with the Review Journal in, in Las Vegas. And uh, I wanted you to share with the listeners, this was just so powerful to me in terms of how we need to be framing a lot of these uh, tragedies and challenges that we face uh, as we move things forward. Uh, but take us back there, 37 years ago, uh, Las Vegas Review <coughs> Journal. Uh, give, give us a little insight. Well, you know, as the, as the new guy on the staff, I was assigned to be the uh, the night cops reporter. So I, I covered uh, the police beat at night when all the action happened. And we had so many murders in Las Vegas back in those days, and we had so little space in the paper, we had to kind of come up with a matrix on how do we decide what to report on, what not to report on. And so basically, a murder had to have an element of the spectacular or the astonishing or the alarming, or else we, we wouldn't cover it. You know, if it was a dramatic manhunt or a serial killer, that, that would get in. But a lot of uh, the more regular type things uh, we wouldn't do. And so, you know, we went on that way for a while. And then uh, one day uh, I got a call from a woman uh, and she was she was crying and, and she wanted to know why the murder of her daughter wasn't considered a community tragedy like these other ones that I had been writing about. Uh, her her daughter, uh, her name was uh, Kim Spencer, she um, had been uh, stabbed to death uh, by someone with a steak knife. And it, it was a gruesome murder, but the thing was it was solved quickly. It was a, a ex-roommate of her boyfriend and uh, case closed, and so we just we just never wrote about it. Yeah. And I had a really hard time answering her when she was asking me that. So I, I actually went out and I spent some time with her and I listened to her tell me stories about her daughter. This this uh, mother had um, muscular uh, dystrophy and had a very difficult time getting around. And she told me all about how her daughter had been a caretaker and had, had done so many great things to encourage her and motivate her. And she didn't know what she was going to do now without without her daughter. 
And it really taught me a lesson that, um, yes, her daughter's death was a community tragedy uh, and deserved space. I actually did a, a story on it. But, I, you know, it, it taught me that every death, every murder is a community tragedy. And we begin we need to begin to start seeing it that way. And I had been guilty of kind of dehumanizing some of these people. And I think a lot of us are when we watch the news, but we need to start seeing each one of these for what they are, real human beings who are loved by other people and who are really indispensable as human beings. Yeah, uh, it's so important. And and I think in uh, in the wake of a lot of the things that we have seen, again, not just in Colorado and Atlanta, um, but in uh, other places, places very close to home here in Salt Lake City and around the state, and and how we frame those and how we view those, I, th- I think, is so important. We're going to have Joseph Grinney's going to join us tomorrow uh, with a really interesting take in terms of what the media is doing and isn't doing uh, with these kinds of stories and what we need to do different in terms of changing that conversation. Uh, Jay, you and I have had this uh, back and forth a lot in terms of how we go about this and uh, you mentioned in your your piece on Deseret dot com today that uh, you know a lot of people are wringing their hands. Uh, the politicians are doing what politicians do; they're talking about gun control or Second Amendment rights. Uh, social media folks are ranting, um, and a lot of them are just missing uh, what you just said that uh, these are all community tragedies. Well, you know, it's kind of the first uh, rule in warfare if you're going into war is you need to dehumanize the enemy, right? Because if you do that, then, then you, uh, you're, you're able to, to kill indiscriminately. And somehow, and I don't understand all the mental illness factors that are involved with, with people who, who want to shoot strangers, but somehow they've lost that empathy for uh, the people that they're killing. And I think, you know, we're guilty in some ways of of losing that empathy as well when it comes to social media, when it comes to our political discourse. Um, And I think that 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 kind of feeds into this where the outliers, the people with a mental illness, um, are influenced in, in some way by that. So the first thing we need to do is to reach out to the other side and understand them and understand them as human beings and understand their arguments in this case. And that's if we don't do that first, uh, you mentioned it right away. We've got the talking points. We can tell you exactly what's going to happen. And I can tell right. you uh, when, it, when it comes to uh, assault weapons bans and universal background checks, it'll pass the House, but it probably won't pass the Senate. And so why even have that debate if we're not going to first get to really understand each other and get past some of those barriers. Yeah, uh, such important insight, uh, as always. Jay Evenson from Deseret News, uh, thanks for joining us. Today. We've got uh, Jay's piece uh, up on our Facebook page, and, of course, you can always read Jay at Deseret.com. Jay, thanks for your insight today. Always appreciate it. Thanks, Boyd. Uh, again, that's Jay Evenson uh, from Deseret News, and uh, it's so important that we we really stop and look at where these conversations are going. Jay mentioned uh, the fact that it's you know it's likely we'll see some of these things proposed uh, and passed in the House of Representatives back in Washington D.C. Uh, most likely to get mired down <clears throat> and and stopped in the Senate, uh, and there'll be a lot of arguing back and forth, and there'll be a lot of talking points, and there'll be uh, a lot of uh, social media back and forth going on. Uh, but I think Jay hit on something really important in this whole thing, and it is that we we have to stop this dehumanization process, uh, and that's more than that's more than just 
assault weapons ban. That's more than just background checks. Uh, those things can play an important role, to be sure, but there's much, much more to it. Uh, we have to have an honest and open conversation about uh, the media that is being produced and that is being consumed uh, by us in, in movies and on television, in video games. Uh, that dehumanizes. I would add to that the way that we tend to dehumanize those who disagree with us uh, on a political issue or a personal issue, uh, and so we we demonize uh, and then we then we weaponize their words against them, uh, and and suddenly we've created someone that we can hate and that we can have contempt for. Uh, we often talk about it in terms of you know when I have contempt for you. Uh, I can do whatever I want because you are of no worth. You are of no value. I have contempt. And when I have contempt for you, it makes it very easy for me. I can say whatever I want about you. I can do anything I want uh, to to target you verbally or uh, online. I can melt down your Twitter feed. I can blow up your Facebook page. And guess what? I can still sleep at night, feel good about myself, go to church on Sunday morning. And we have to stop that. Uh, and we have to recognize what our example in terms of those conversations and the way we talk about those we disagree with is going to impact our children and our grandchildren. And don't think for a minute that it doesn't. Uh, everything out there points over and over to the fact that if young children hear uh, derogatory comments about others, they internalize that. And that becomes okay, and that becomes real to them. And so we've got to change the conversation. We've got to look to some of the principles and values uh, that really make a difference. And we're going to talk about that more coming up at 11.50. If you missed any of my uh, in, uh, conversation with Jenny Howe yesterday, uh, you want to grab the podcast for that or join us at 11.50. We'll play uh, part of that again. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, uh, Utah Senior Senator Mike Lee will join us talking about earmarks and spending in Washington, D.C. You don't want to miss it. Stay here on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.